If you wanted to learn more about philosophy and spirituality, but felt intimidated by ancient Greek or Sanskrit, is it too embarrassing to admit that we are more than the body? Are you afraid to bring up reincarnation over coffee? Well, we love coffee and Plato, Buddhism, and Sri Ramana Maharshi. And we think these teachers and systems have some use today. This is the Beware How program, Mystic Philosophy Made Practical. I'm Bob, speaking weekly with Scott and Ryan. We're three conscious creatives and formerly closeted mystics trying to unpack the inaccessible. According to the mystics, the truth cannot be spoken, but we'll try to talk about it anyway. Hello, I'm Bob, and this is the Beware How program, speaking with Scott and Ryan. Today is Monday, May 18th, and we're done with the definition episodes. Maybe I won't be out of breath after these. Okay, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm just going to move on. <laughs> cut, cut that. The format of this program is based on three acts, um, personal realizations around this material, is the opening, um, and then we move into some context around um, philosophy or concept associated with the topic, um, and then closing with practical application of, uh, we want it to be useful. Um, so that said, today's topic is the afterlife, um, death and the afterlife. Um, the subtitle that I came up with was Dust, Hell, and reincarnation, or um, dust, hell, or reincarnation. Um, you know, who's right really is the question. Seinfeld has this joke where you go up to heaven, and there's several people who recently died at the gates, and St. Paul is like, the Mormons! Mormonism is the true religion. The non-Mormons are bummed out. <laughs> There's just there's just like a wheel of fortune up there right. like to see who's right. Which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> kind of how institutional, you know, orthodox religion treats the subject is uh, you know. It's mine or no one else's only, which is just Yeah. It's such a big question comedy. that people people get really uh you know I don't know what the word is. People get serious and, you know, a you know, caught up in who's right. It's such a big question that people really, really want to be right about it. <laughs> yeah, so, and I think a lot a, of contention. A decent theme already, even in the first five episodes, but beyond the show is going to be kind of pointing at calling out people that, you know, mm -hmm. by the my team and no one else's team crowd. Mm -hmm. Um, which we'll get into. Um, what do you guys want done with your body? Do you want to be buried or cremated or a tree or what? I like the idea of uh, being cremated and buried with a tree. It sounds nice. Yeah, cremation sounds Which is a great segue into this ad that we have to read, which is... <laughs> this episode is sponsored by O'Houlihan's Tree Urns. Don't wind up in a box. When you die, let O'Houlihan's Tree Urns turn you into the tree of your choice. O'Houlihan's Tree Urns. Swap a wooden box for a beautiful tree. Head to O'Houlihan's.com and turn your corpse into an orchard. That's the business. Right I just there. want to look at the marketing materials for those tree body companies. Mm. <laughs> mm. Like they're yeah. very like uh, 
Aronofsky, like it's like the fountain kind of visuals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very, very mystic way to process your remains for sure. It's extremely like mystic tech Buddhist. Like it's so <laughs> sick. The tree mm. thing. I think I'll go with the tree thing. I was, I had, I wrote cremated, but that's, you know, that's before the tree thing. Right. Yeah. It's a part of the Be process. A tree. It's the first step. But then what if, what if your family is like, eat drinking lemonade under you and then you get struck by lightning and you know burn your tree dies in front of your family so you double die (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's rough (laughs) like they Mm. just buried you you became a tree and then 10 years later you don't make it yeah yeah your tree doesn't make it yeah you could kind of like hedge your bet and like spread around in like a few different orchards or something around the world, you know, just to like in case a oh, hurricane good. wipes out one side, you still got your, there you go. your like your arm legs. was the tree of this one and your leg was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Different limbs and different orchards. Yeah. Different the... parts of you create different yeah. types of trees, sycamores, yes. orange trees. And in order to yeah, keep them alive, this next ad is brought to you by Miracle Grow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It is, is a miracle, your, truly. Is your dead dad's tree not flowering this year? <laughs> miracle Grow. <laughs> oh, man. Mystic Miracle Grow. Well, I hate um, cemeteries. I think to segue into like the personal side of this. Um, I think they're so stupid. Like, they're just so pointless. And, you know, it's not even that they're creepy. Like, some people are like, I hate cemeteries because they're creepy and, like, they remind me of death, obviously. But it's just they're pointless. Like, the mystics say we're not the body. And, like, to have just fields, like in East Austin, there's so many cemeteries. And Mm -hmm. it could be, they could be, like, parks or, you know like water featured things or you know development whatever um but they're just like there's just stones marking people mm-hmm. who are no longer in those bodies i don't know as as someone that leans heavy reincarnation it's <laughs> like it's just so bizarre to me to have all these you know, gravestones all around this part of town. I mean, I think it's a place for people to, you know, mourn and to like come back and remember that person. And especially when it's a place where a lot of people are like able to do that, you know, I think it provides a space for that. Um, You're right. What do you what do you propose, you know, if uh, if we didn't have cemeteries, if um if how, how like how would you where would all of your family i mean tree body forest would it just be forests yeah forests of tree bodies yeah <laughs> tree body i mean that sounds be pretty better. that sounds pretty great it's yeah yeah i mean you could still even it call it a, nice cemetery. a cemetery it would just be like a it'd be like an eco-friendly cemetery that you can still use as a park essentially but right. that you could right you know yeah. <laughs> still still go visit yeah. you know visit the memory of, I dig of that. your past loved one would do you think that grandchildren of one person would be like hey you took my grandpa's oranges because, <laughs> you know like it starts a new religious it's war a very of possessive like, of like the tree's fruits also yeah. like mm. did grandpa choose an orange tree you know 
Mm. Yeah, when True. you sign the paper for Ohulahan's tree bodies, you get you to pick. Select tree <laughs> fruit type. I see. <laughs> Organ donor, yes, no. Fruit selection, yes, you know. Um, no, you're right. I think there is definitely a, um, you know, sacredness to remembering and ancestors and um, the movie Coco. Just probably mm-hmm. that one movie is like the best answer to like why we do need cemeteries or why we do need some way to honor the 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 generations who came before us mm. yeah it just feels antiquated sure that's all mm. totally yeah i like I, the idea i got i had a new cemetery forest sorry right yeah i had a new respect for uh oh. for cemeteries after visiting uh london a few years ago mm. um went with a few friends and we just like happened to stumble onto one of the cemeteries that's like in deep in the city because it you know i you know many many years ago when they built it i guess it was on the edges but now it's like deep in the heart of the city Mm. and it was it's like one of the most beautiful green spaces i've ever been to it's like and and they fully integrate you know life into it people walk their dogs people go and you know lounge. it's like it's like and and it was just it was beautiful it's like this overgrown like it's so old that you see these old like uh, like Celtic symbols on certain stones, and I was like, okay, this is cool. This I can get into. Not the like American drive through like a giant field of, you know, it's just a little different vibe, I guess. But hmm. yeah, that's that's huge. I think making it an enjoyable space that you know honors the people, but doesn't have to like carry the de- the dead weight of you know mm. the dreariness and the heaviness and it, part of it probably does have to do with like the american kind of christian conception of dead and dying and and scientific materialism mm. too of like the dust crew i mean we're kind of america is like you're dust or you're in heaven or hell and mm. i think the alternative read which is reincarnation or you know kind of astral components to coming and going that are more prevalent in the east you know there's not as much of a i mean there's still grief obviously but the there's it's there's lighter aspects to it Mm -hmm. than the heaviness of american kind of yeah black suit and just Mm. sobbing people and the hearse and you know i don't know just the whole Mm -hmm. everything ceremonially about death in the afterlife in in america is is just kind of outdated to me Hmm. i can see not saying be happy but i like those like celebration of life things yeah same here when people party um a bit more than than the than the sobbing that's what i want you know i want to be a tree body but i also want you know a rager (laughs) (laughs) um which is you know i think we've got to talk about um our experiences before we jump into like the different academic concepts of what different cultures talk about death and afterlife um you know i when i was a kid i lost several people in like a short period of time um and it was a very uh it was just a crazy like year uh it was my my grandpa was my step-grandpa but my one grandpa that i knew he had a heart attack um on our kitchen floor 
and I called 911 as a nine-year-old and like wow. ran out to the front of the street to like flag down the ambulance. Um, and that was, that was his, his way out. He, he didn't uh, recover from that. Wow. Um, and then my grandma, um, committed suicide actually not long after that on the other side of the family. Wow. Um, about six months later, nine months later, something like that. And my dad, my dad's fiance, who was basically my stepmom, she died a month later um, after Gammy uh, from yeah. pneumonia complications. So, um, so it was rough for us. Dad lost his mom and fiance in like thirty days. Wow, wow. So it was crazy. I mean, it was an extremely contemplative period, and um, you know, there's something about death that just makes you just have to get introspective. It's just such a mystery. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think just being a young kid, and, and obviously there were people that, that I've met and I know of that, um, you know, lost parents young, which is like just insane. Like, I don't know how human beings actually like survive <laughs> without, um, you know, strong family units and, and immediate family. Yeah. Um, so I didn't, you know, my, my story isn't quite that extreme. A lot of people lose people, but, but that was my kind of childhood and like when you when you see that my cousin died a few years after that my one cousin and so um that had to contribute for me in reading like buddhism books and things like that like as a younger guy um it just mm. jostles you out of your paradigm you know mm. Mm. yeah yeah like, who'd y'all lose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i um right Let's see. Sorry, I feel like y'all were gonna say something that I. No, no, yeah. Um, I uh, I didn't. Uh, almost all my grandparents are still alive. Fortunately, I've only hmm. lost one. Yeah, um, that's wild. To and me. I wasn't super. You're thirty. Close with her. Yeah. Um. Mm. So I haven't. I've been yeah, fortunate up until, up until now, and um. But I do remember in high school I had multiple friends pass away um throughout middle school and high school um yeah. lots of different reasons but i mean I, I can think of four at least um usually like car accidents and things like that um and i remember that being extremely difficult um people that i was like pretty close to and i think having the first time kind of re having that feeling of knowing that someone's kind of gone forever you know like you don't get to talk to them again and that was you know being in middle school high school is like a pretty heavy thing to process um but other than that um yeah especially a lot of the adult figures in my life fortunately are still around so Wow. Yeah. I've been pretty fortunate too. I, um, it wasn't until my mid twenties that my, that I, you know, lost someone who I had spent a significant amount of time around. I mean, it's, as far as family, it's, I mean, I definitely had some friends that, uh, passed away before that, but, um, but that, you know, it was my grandpa who, it was the first time that, you know, it took a, a toll, um, and that, that was mid twenties. So I was, I felt very fortunate to have 
not had to go through something really, you know, uh, brutal like that when I was younger. Um, but I, but we did at the same time, we kind of had, I was always aware, even though it didn't hit me real hard emotionally, uh, because I wasn't alive yet. My, my grandma, uh, passed away, uh, unfortunately through like violence. Uh, it was like, a she was, a uh, hostage in like a, a prison siege and ended up dying in that when Jeez. my dad was young. And, wow. uh, yeah, this is in Huntsville in the, in a prison. It was kind of like a famous case when it happened, but um, so my dad was in his early 20s when he lost his mom to violence. And I can't even imagine what that's like to go through. Um, but we, you know, so I just grew up yeah. hearing my dad and his, his siblings talk about their mom, you know, because they wanted to keep her memory alive. And and um, and I even I had kind of a strong memory as a kid of, of my aunt, my dad's sister, talking about how, um, you know, she would wake up in the middle of the night and um see her mom standing at the foot of her bed and, and her mom would tickle her toes she said and this is you know when she was an adult she said she has like several memories of just like these kind of dream state memories of her mom visiting her and uh you know i was wow. a little kid when she That's said awesome. that and i got scared and freaked out at the time because i was a little kid and i you know i was <laughs> spooked by but yeah but it was like kind of her my i i felt like my grandma's uh like presence has been uh, with us, you know, <laughs> since, since uh, I was a little kid, just because everyone was always talking about her and, and, uh, yeah, so that, that was my little glimpse that I, that I got. Yeah, that's special. That's amazing. Yeah, there's, there's something to also little children and their kind of intuitive capabilities. And I don't know if this is this episode or another one or why I have to care which episode <laughs> it's for, but, <laughs> Um, you know, I, I mean the the Ian Stevenson material. This doctor, Doctor Stevenson, the University of West Virginia, or I'm sorry, University of Virginia professor who um, studied reincarnation um, in a clinical setting. Well, how do you do that? Well, you you interview little children that um, claim to remember the previous existence and it's a very common phenomenon now especially uh, as this mm. has kind of gotten more um, momentum thanks to his research and his uh, team members research but you know there were little kids that would be speaking other languages of you know thousands of miles away um, you know that they wouldn't have never been exposed to that culture in this you know incarnation this mm. manifestation yeah and well why is that well the mystics say and this is you know kind of getting into the astral stuff but um there's a the forgetting isn't complete i guess you could say you know there's still that the memory is stronger of of the previous existence or of a you know inhabiting higher realms when you're when you're little when you're like like the sweet spot is like two to four because they can talk but they haven't been, you know, kind of re-educated, so to speak, in this cultural paradigm. So, um, so that doesn't surprise me. I mean, I, I feel like I see stuff all the time about like little kids. There's a there's a famous one of a little uh, American boy who um, he drew uh, planes that were on fire like every day, and his parent mom was like, what "The hell's wrong?" You know, like 
this is bad. <laughs> this is troubling. Like he's just always drawing people dying in the ocean and fiery planes. Like what the hell is going on? Well, they eventually he started talking about some unit of the Air Force and some particular plane. Even you know maybe I can find it. Actually, That's amazing. I don't just riff on it while I look for it. Okay, here we go. James Leninger had nightmares about being a World War II pilot who died after his plane crashed in the ocean. He talked in his dreams. He he found out he was James Houston. And eventually described his death. There's a lot on line about this because he went to like they went to CBS News mm-hmm. and uh they found this guy's friend. Anyway, there's all kinds of stories like this yeah. of like a little kid mm-hmm. talking you know, and I think what we tend to do is just be like, Oh, kids are crazy. They saw it on, you know, some movie or, you know, whatever and then just to be dismissive of it, but it's like no, like encourage uh, you know, <laughs> the the, the mm. concentration on that kind of stuff is super interesting. Yeah, because they they might be holding on. I think most importantly, they might actually be holding on to a traumatic memory that you know their liberation from would will be extremely helpful. Sure, and useful for them. Yeah, hmm. yeah, that makes sense. I'm not a reincarnationist or anything, but <laughs> here's four minutes riffing on that. Um, which you know, I mean, this this stuff isn't isn't new. Um, these ideas of of kind of astral travel. Um, Pythagoras really is the oldest philosopher, one of the oldest Greek philosophers. He's pre-Socratic. I guess that's how big of a deal Socrates was. <laughs> they have pre-Socratic and post-Socratic yeah. Greek philosophy. Um, yeah. But Pythagoras, one of his ideas, in addition to, you know, being a G at geometry, was mm-hmm. in love and triangles, <laughs> was he also uh, talked about metempsychosis. I'm not sure if that's the right pronunciation, but metempsychosis is transmigration of the soul, which Plato kind of took and ran with. Um, but that was... Um, that was from Pythagoras, and that's really kind of a competing school to uh, Aristotle's Tabula Rasa, which means blank slate, um, which is kind of what, you know, is the scientific material view and the modern-day American kind of psychology view, child psychology view is Tabula Rasa, blank slate, mm-hmm. that, that um, the child is born, you know, kind of square one, that there's no... Uh, you know, nothing lingering in, from a previous existence. And um, and so, yeah, so it's it's been around for a while <laughs> that the soul continues and goes through, and that's just the Greeks. I mean, you have, um, you know, obviously the Hindus and the Buddhists um, are both reincarnationists who believe we've had thousands of lifetimes, thousands upon thousands upon existences. Um, you know, we're just constantly going through this wheel, this larger cycle of uh you know awaken this awakening process is just a series of lifetimes and your uniqueness is your own life stream um of the variety of existences that you've been in and um 
that one makes some sense to me. I mean, especially coming out of the consciousness is fundamental explanation world with Gover in the metaphysical episode and these kind of quantum physics discoveries. But, but you know, even just Yogananda writing about this stuff. Yogananda is like, look, we've all been rich. We've all been poor. <laughs> you know, we've all been mm-hmm. ugly. We've all been beautiful. We've all been famous. We've all been, you know, unknowns. Don't get caught, basically. Don't get trapped in all of these external aspects of this world, of your incarnation's role in this world. You know, it's just an it's just an act. You're an actor in the role. And they're very alluring, all these different components of it. And 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 that's true. <laughs> but um but the whole thing really lightens up quite a bit as you kind of come into that point of view Mm. Mm. yeah it sounds similar to some of the non-duality stuff we were talking about and just uh impermanence yeah and the if you're getting attached to form it's like that's that's going to be the form that you're absolutely the most attached to is your body, the thing that's keeping you alive and moving around. And it's like, why wouldn't you? It's like, you're, you're so dependent on it in this life. And so, uh, the idea of losing it is, uh, you know, could be horrifying to, to, to you if you are so, you know, if, if you truly believe that that's if all you're you so are. identified with it, if that's what you are. Yeah. 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 A course calls the body, the ego's masterpiece. Mm-hmm. yeah it is it's the separate you know the perfect representation of separateness that is so confining um uh, saint francis called it uh, brother donkey or like brother ass (laughs) like it's Mm. it's just it's uh it's just trudging on through i guess is kind of the image but it's not what you are Mm. yeah Mm. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, getting... I think those views help with death and help um, certainly more so than, uh, than 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 thinking that you're you're dust and you crumble into the soil. Sorry, I feel like I'm interrupting you guys. Was I? Were you going to say something, Scott? I was just kind of continuing what you were talking about. I, I think um, I, no, I like that though. The masterpiece of the ego. Um, it's just, yeah, the body is, is going to be like the last hardest thing to let go of. And I, uh, and, and you, you start to get that, uh, that fear, uh, especially if you have like health issues and, and you, you start to feel like confined by your body because it's not working in some way or another. And like that can quickly, you know, just send you down like a rabbit hole of anxiety and all this stuff. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's, those are moments when I enjoy remembering, uh, that the, you know, that there's a difference between my mind and my brain and that in my, you know, in my view, uh, the brain is filtering, uh, a much larger mind that will be free to do other things once the brain stops. <laughs> and that's a comforting thought for me that has, that I keep, uh, seeing evidence of in all these various things we talk about so i like to i like it when i see uh 
little hints and glimpses of, of that fact that that uh, my mind is has other things going on besides being filtered by this little uh, this little noggin. <laughs> yeah, I like that um, in that material too. Like to, to add to your point there about you know kind of again the consciousness is fundamental crowd was like even neuroscientists um, acknowledge that the brain doesn't create consciousness. You know, even Sam Harris says that, who is kind of, you know, the defining atheist neuroscientist voice in American culture today. You know, mm. he agrees that the brain doesn't create consciousness. And so that's a huge misconception by the mainstream, mm -hmm. you know, just mainstream society that um, the brain, you know, we're born, the brain has consciousness, it's, it, then it loses it, you know, we get dementia or whatever, <laughs> and then you die and, uh, and, you know, that, so it's linked to the brain. And, you know, it's so important to make that distinction that the brain is the filter, you know, or, or you know, kind of the Yogananda imagery, it's the, it's the lamp that holds the electricity you know mm -hmm. yeah um, the, or the tv set that holds the signal yeah yeah exactly the music is still going whether the radio's on or off yeah, yeah. It, and it, and it is it, it is just so counterintuitive though and it, and like you know like the examples gober gives is you know if someone gets like brain damage for example yeah you know that affects their consciousness and so we and and it would be you know hard to blame someone for assuming from that that they are causally you know but that's one of the things you learn is correlation doesn't mean causation they're yeah. definitely correlated not necessarily causally related and and one of the things that gober mentions is uh, uh the example of when people have uh, NDEs, near-death experiences, their their memory of their of what they were experiencing is apparently very very vivid for a lot of them, even though brain activity has dropped off. So why? How could you explain uh, like an intensifying of of an experience with lesser brain activity? And like that's just one of those little things that that are almost hints. none whatsoever. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, that it hints at something else. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you're right. I mean, I think it is important to to call out, like, you know, if if a particular lobe is damaged, your cognitive ability will, you know, be consequently affected by that area. Mm -hmm. We know what lobes correspond to what aspects of mm -hmm. rational thinking and memory and sensation, mm -hmm. and you know, the machine works. <laughs> But, um, you know, just because the radio is busted on the left speaker doesn't mean mm -hmm. that the track, you know, is in stereo, I guess is the point, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd love to talk about NDEs. I was going to mention that um, my grandpa, who, who, who died with a heart attack, um, Grandpa Jack, he had an NDE and told me about it when I was a little kid before he, you know, had his ultimate departure. He he had a couple heart attacks before that, and one of them he was a bailiff in courthouses, and you know respect shout out to Grandpa Jack he was he was my grandpa the only one that I knew and he was a great guy, and um, could build and fix anything 
and I am a fraction of the man you are, <laughs> Jack Greer. Um, <laughs> although I'm getting better because now I live in a house and my wife asked me to fix things and I'm I'm batting about 500 right now. Um, <laughs> YouTube video, how to fix this. Right, right. Yeah, I don't use YouTube ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, Jack, yeah, Jack had a heart attack when he was in, in the courthouse, like in a trial. And oh, wow. the judge wow. called the guy in and they took him out to the hospital. And the judge famously said, oh, he's dead and gone. And, uh, and he came back to life uh, in the hospital. And I don't remember how long he was out, but he didn't have a pulse. And, um, you know, for a couple of minutes, you can't, you can't have not a pulse for too long. But um, he, he described to me what was, you know, he basically kind of walked into this cabin and um, he saw his father and his dad had been dead for decades upon decades. And um, his dad looked younger. I think the reason I remember this is because it was such a vivid uh, image of of him being as old as he was seeing his father who was like 30s 40s when he died and seeing his dad kind of at that age and uh you know short conversation with him in this cabin and um and woke up and was in the hospital wow yeah and yeah so i remember hearing that when i was a little kid and um that was interesting that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, and that's just such a short snippet because we have um, much fuller accounts these days. Um, one in particular that I really like is called Embraced by the Light mm-hmm. um, by Betty Eady. Um, but there's a lot. Eben Alexander is a neuroscientist, speaking of neuroscientists, who uh, are neurologists, but he had a um, an NDE as well. And it was also fantastical. There are tens of thousands of these things, near NDEs, near-death experience, I should clarify, um, where, yeah, people die and they kind of see their body. There's a common threads and they're all very mystical and, uh, you know, they sound like almost like shamanic kind of vision quests and things like that. But, you know, you see your body, you see your mourning family members, and you have this capacity to travel very quickly um and then you typically go up you sometimes go through a tunnel um you know there's a lot of tunnel imagery Mm. in these accounts and there's 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 a a light at the end of it i mean to be cliche but um you know there's like a void i mean betty Eddie, it's a whole book about hers and um she explains every facet and like there's this black void but she was and she felt other souls in there but it wasn't hell and it wasn't evil but it was this comforting void but she kept going you know and there's so there's like stages of it all and um you know she she eventually made contact with the light capital l she was a christian so she said it was jesus but she made the disclaimer that it's whoever you're you know kind of deity is it's whoever your your manifestation of is that entity which kind of greets you so to speak uh, in between um, physical sheaths and mm. uh and she recorded the conversation that she had with kind of uh, emanating light christ uh ancient friend ancient 
you know, loving teacher, or all these things, oneness itself. And uh, yeah, it's a great book, but but there's a whole, it's like a genre, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, there's a lot of these that happen. And I think we don't, as a just American society in particular, there's no real mechanisms in psychotherapy or the hospital, certainly not in the hospital system, but really not even in like counseling necessarily that equip people to process these kinds of experiences. And thankfully, I think thanks to a couple of best-selling books, you know, um, it's starting to become a little more commonplace that this is a thing, but, um, yeah. And these are very cool. I'm real into them. Yeah, I uh, I personally yeah. have never experienced one, but I've heard a lot of really amazing stories. Um, a lot of yeah, really similar themes uh, throughout all of them, which you know makes you wonder. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, it it reminds me of a a book. Also, I guess it's a little bit more on the topic of reincarnation. But there's another book called uh, Many Lives, We're here. Many Lives, Many Masters. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't remember the author. I read it years ago and, um, she's basically a psychotherapist and starts realizing that there's, um, uh, actually, I think she was, uh, working with hypnosis. I'm pretty sure. And she was realizing that these, she had patients that were, um, that had these like highly detailed stories of them as another person um under hypnosis and so she started to explore that and wrote a whole book about it and it's really fascinating stuff very cool sarah was telling me about that a yeah couple years ago that book yep yep so cool i'm glad i'm glad you haven't personally had an nde ryan uh or any of us yeah <laughs> uh, thanks for the disclaimer be... though yeah <laughs> i mean i've you know you meet people i've met a handful of people that have had that they really powerful experience the the kind of baseline yeah is like you see i mean you hear it's a cliche but you see your life flash before your eyes you see a series Mm -hmm. of images from when you were young all the way up until now kind of all these moments that um especially like like kind of defining moments um, life review Yeah. yeah and uh i've i've met uh i've met at least two or three people that have told me that exact same thing. They've had those experiences and it's really, it's amazing that those, you know, it's a similar experience for a lot of people. I also, um, I didn't read the article. I just, I just saw an article, I think on my phone this morning. Um, uh, there's a new study that has linked, uh, uh, NDEs, uh, like themes within NDEs to, um, the same experiences, uh, that you have under uh, DMT. DMT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, I, for me, I was like, well, duh, like that's, uh, that makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense. But um, I, uh, it's it's really cool that that's like uh, you know kind of being studied now. Well, that's an interesting mm-hmm. point. I was you you just beat me to it because you know what my atheist pal would tell me when I would bring up Indies was, you know, when you die, your brain starts to release the organic DMT version that we have in our synapses and uh, they fire and big deal, you know, it's kind of explain, (laughs) explaining them, explaining any astral components away with, 
uh, you know, biochemical mm-hmm. processes. And, you know, that's fine. There has to be, there always has to be like a, like a, like a Darwinist uh, counterpoint, you know, it's like, sure. there has to be one or else it's mm-hmm. no fun. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, kind of I mean, what I would no, say I, to that I is, like, I like visiting those points too. <laughs> I, yeah, it's the, you know, I, my mind goes there too of like, what, what would the skeptic say to that? Just because that I enjoy that, that interplay of that, that discussion. And, and yeah, and it's like, this can't, you know, it, the the point isn't that it's proof because if you're searching for proof, you're missing something. And this is, it, it does come down to a belief, you know, but, um, but yeah, I've heard that too of, you know, Oh, it's, it's like the last dream of your faulty machinery brain shutting off, you know, and that, you know, that's, that's a way to explain it in the physical Taking world. you out with a um, trip. You can rest that's on that. Pleasurable. Yeah. 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 And you know, I get that, but yeah, it's, um, it's yeah it it just comes down to each person like how you're going to interpret what happens and and uh it's i the more i sit on it and think on it the more it it just feels like not enough of an explanation (laughs) that the the simple like uh chemical explanation yeah betty Eady says like she's like i'm not a theologian there's no way that i could have written all this kind of thing like which is a pretty good argument mm. for the experience yeah and kind of same with helen shuckman mm-hmm. and of course and you know when people kind of download information like this or have those kinds of experiences that um you know exceed beyond their any reasonable explanation for their own you know iq or cognitive capacity or whatever that's a pretty good argument but also um yeah there's a I'm on it right now in org near death experience research foundation mm. shout out mm-hmm. um, nice. there's mm-hmm. tens of thousands on here and what I would say is and I don't have I haven't dug through these enough to make the point but I think you know if there is a counterpoint to the DMT um, it's explaining away thing is you know sometimes in in like in embraced by the light she explained things that were happening that while she was out i mean that's to me the Mm -hmm. kicker on the dmt yeah uh, you know getting beyond that one because if you can see the nurses and hear their conversation all right well i I think i even brought that up to uh, this friend in particular i'm thinking of he's like well she heard what the nurses were saying about her when she was out he's like well that's because she her mm. ears were nearby, you know. <laughs> it's just like yeah, mm. true, okay. <laughs> you know, so it would really get proved if she, you know, saw some event outside of the hospital, I guess, you know, and then came back and was able to recall mm. that. So yeah, um, if you know of any NDE evidence, hit us up in the comments <laughs> <laughs> for some nah, they're, uh, revelations. They're, yeah, they're. Yeah, there there always has to be a skeptic's way out uh, because if you, like you said, there the the point is that eventually you're gonna have to to make a jump, uh, and and it, even though there's sun, there's like mounting evidence that that pushes against that um, that intuition of oh the brain is the mind, the brain is the mind. We we we're told it, yeah. and we are kind of implicitly we're told it since a kid, and so it's just so hard grade in and. 
even when things present themselves yeah. that we're like, wait a minute, that's not the complete picture. Uh, there still needs to be, you know, that refuge, that skeptics refuge to come back. Oh, I can explain, you know, and, and that's, that has to be there. But yeah, it's like there, if you look in the right direction, you'll just see this mountain of, uh, of, of indicators that suggest other things, but yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. All. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's, um, we're never going to get like a Google news update yeah. notification <laughs> that the metaphysics is, mm. you know, peer to peer reviewed and everybody just had, has faith. You, you're <laughs> right. You know, like that's just, it's not going to, that's not how it works. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so I think what I would say too, to that, and like, this is getting into the practical side of all this, like, you know, the Buddhists are pretty indifferent um, about this stuff. Uh, the Thich Nhat Hanh school, particularly, you know, Zen Buddhism is, is uh, really embraces the impermanence and um, the beauty of the transitory and kind of the preciousness of the moment. And, you know, this role, this manifestation, regardless of continuation of consciousness or soul or whatever, this role will perish. Um, Y'all's will, our listeners will. And, um, you know, I, 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 that, that's beautiful. Live for today. Um, You know, I like to remind people often, maybe too often, uncomfortably (laughs) that we're all going to die. Um, Like in meetings, at work i mean it's <laughs> i remind people we're gonna die with an almost like shut the fuck up kind of attitude <laughs> i want to be like a child like an elementary school child kind of level of repetitive annoyance with that fact um because it's true you know and it seems like we don't we all we keep forgetting or we don't acknowledge it, or we live our lives as though um, it won't end. I I don't know. Yeah, mm. like it's healthy reminder. I mean, as long as it's like uh, <laughs> uh, mentioned with you know a gratitude for life, not so much like you're gonna die. Irritating <laughs> comedy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> as, lo- as long as it's not a threat. <laughs> 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 it's not a threat. No reason <laughs> annoying, irritating. I always enjoyed uh, the. It's funny. The, uh, I guess, I assume it was Plato or Socrates defined philosophy as just preparation for death, um, and I've been yeah. into philosophy ever since. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's and that's very Buddhist. Um, like, gosh, I can't remember the school. The The problem when you listen to Ram Das for so many years is that he references everything. He references secular, non-secular. He references Eastern, Western philosophy, spiritual artists, mm. you know, he re- professors. He references everyone. And so there's a couple of loose ends of his stuff that I don't, I can't place exactly, but, but I'm gonna go with Buddhist. I think it's I think it's Tibetan Buddhist, but um, yeah, that's the same, similar thing. The whole practice is like the re, the focus on the breath is so constant that the goal is to be in perfect stillness at the point of death. 
you know, like, like kind of, you know, not to one up your Socrates thing, but like, like the whole (laughs) thing is a preparation for death for the moment of death. So you do it Hmm. fully. So you're completely centered during it. And there's, there's Hindu aspects too of like what you're doing when you die, like what you're thinking about when you die can carry on like, the Neem Karoli Baba mm. stuff, the Maharaji stories, there's stories of him like um, like helping people pass without being attached to something. Like, oh gosh, the story it's it's coming to me. So just bear with me. Mm. But basically basically he 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 wakes up in the middle of the night. He had this big dinner and like Ramdas's guru. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, Hey, feed me. I need like cook you know, I need some food and like they start cooking them and they're like, we just, we had a big dinner and we ate or whatever. And he's like, no, I just need this doll and this rice. And the, and so they started cooking like kind of feverishly and like he ate all this food, like so much food more so than like it made sense at all. And then they all realized like a day or two later that one of his longest disciples was dying that night and he was hungry or like, and was like thinking of, like food or thinking of like this particular dish and like he wanted to free him of that like he wanted to kind of take that on as far as to to let him to let his devil his devotee not um carry it with him wow into a nostril i mean it's you know that's awesome those guru stories are so (laughs) fantastical but um but yeah that's Hmm. that's related to the where you're at on the way out you know yeah Hmm. yeah that uh it's a weird thing that made me think of it but i got my uh last year i got my first tattoo and it weirdly was like a reckoning that i'm gonna die moment and i and it was it was strange because it, it was like getting past the fear of of permanently tattooing something onto my body and then and then examining that fear and being like why am I trying to preserve <laughs> this thing that's going to disappear, you know? And like, and, and, and then I started to see yeah. like my parents or, or just anyone's fear of a tattoo kind of being a fear of death. Like, 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 and, and like you're, mm. you don't want to look at the fact that, you know, your body isn't going to be around forever. So, you know, make of it what you will kind of thing. I don't know. That was just this moment I had where I was like, I feel slightly more ready to die now after I've had my first tattoo. <laughs> this is a very strange moment. I wasn't, I wasn't ready for that to be my reaction, but it was. <laughs> That's funny. It's like putting a bumper sticker on a car. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm not going to have this car forever. This bumper yeah. sticker is going to be on it. <laughs> Yeah. Ryan's all linked up. You can't see his, but Ryan has Ryan's full chest is. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. I got that young <laughs> too. It's like uh, nineteen. Um, yeah, yeah. I've gone. Yeah, I waited till my thirties. <laughs> yeah, gone back and forth on tattoos, but it's a really interesting, uh, uh, transitory thought from tattoos to death. <laughs> yeah, congrats yeah. on having pretty profound uh, musings over uh not everyone's thinking about that but it's it's definitely a, a, a way to like kind of release your attachment to the body i'd say that for sure mm. yeah that's what i felt yeah it's like it it seems like the spirit continues but 
even if it doesn't, that's okay. You know, that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I like, I mean, in general, the idea of impermanence, I think, aligns with that. And, like, I agree. Like, I I believe that the idea of impermanence, like, having that in your daily practice is, like, so powerful. I mean, um, Kaylee and I talk about that a lot, um, just recognizing the impermanence of things. And there's, like, so much like gratitude and humility that just like immediately naturally comes through um, when you really are aware of the impermanence of things, you know, um, it's uh it's a really beautiful practice and I, um, yeah, it's really powerful. Cause we just yeah. think it's going to go forever. Right. I mean, that's why people, how we live our lives is like, we'll get to it or we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, kind of shore up all of these expectations about the future and and um gr- try to grasp onto them all yeah and you know it's all of those the grasping is an obstacles to enjoying yeah absolutely mm-hmm. I, I think uh impermanence too has like been especially prevalent you know lately with um the yeah. pandemic i mean a lot of people sure. are losing yeah. a lot of things losing money yeah. losing lives losing jobs um and Family. so it's been a it's been a really common uh topic and and yeah i i mean i i i think it's i think it's good that people are kind of um as terrible as like a lot of the loss is but it, it's good to be reminded of impermanence it, it just it really makes you grateful for what you have and um yeah, it's good good practice. Yeah, yeah. people are I'm glad you brought it up change, had... change is terrifying. Go ahead, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, just change is terrifying and death represents the biggest change possible. So right. it's you need you kind of need to ease your toes in <laughs> however you can whether that's through uh you know, philosophy or or any just something that that lets you start grappling with that 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 big change. Yeah. <laughs> it actually reminds me too of um kind of um one of the practices for me anyways of like dealing with uh, stress and anxiety. Um like impermanence plays a huge role in that uh for me personally. Um I think um so I, I uh I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2017 and spent a couple years um two and a half years really really struggling with it. I've been actually the end of May in a, in about ten days will be uh, my six month uh, complete remission, uh, which is uh, super That's amazing. Yeah, super exciting. Um, but a part of uh, working with uh, an autoimmune um, disease, uh, a lot of them are deeply related to stress, and so just dealing with stress, learning how to manage stress, how to recognize stress. Um, was a big part of that practice. And, um, the idea of impermanence of any, it was like a huge role for me because anything that was stressing me out, um, if I really were to just stop and take a, a deep breath and recognize the impermanence of any situation that I was in, whether it was a tough situation at work or whatever it is, but recognizing the impermanence of it, like this, this is not going to last forever. And even if it's like a, from a, either like a, a moment that was difficult or 
maybe, you know, a, a larger thing that maybe something as big as like your job, like you, like you, maybe you hate your job and you're just, I think recognizing the impermanence of things is, it just changes your perspective, you know, it, um, uh, it makes, it, it makes you feel a lot better when you realize that not everything uh, is going to last forever, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. If it's a bad thing, it's like, great, I feel better because this isn't going to last forever. And if it's a good thing, it's like, great, I feel more gratitude because I know this thing isn't going to last forever. You know, it's, I, I'm a big, big fan. Yeah, no, I'm glad you shared that. And um, I think it'd be a really cool future app to do stress and like, even like stress and health relationship. Absolutely. You know, maybe you and Jen could talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that'd be great, I think, for people, but also for me to learn from you. Yeah. Um, mm. What I was going to add to that was I'm, I'm a very social person. And um, I think the impermanence thing for me has does deal a lot with like friendships and relationships and like sure. being 30, almost two, 31, 32, um, you know, having like kind of phases of your life that are relationships with certain people. And then that changes like your circles of people that are around you change. And that started to become apparent a few years ago. And then, you know, obviously some of those people die, you know, to yeah. Scott's point earlier now that you're when you're in your 30s you start losing people that aren't yeah. your you know grandparents mm -hmm. um because humans die in their 20s and 30s in mm -hmm. larger numbers and um so so that's an aspect of it but even just like working with people like i've changed jobs a bunch i guess and um you know you have like your work crew and then you change jobs and like you never see all of those people again that you had a whole vibe with and jokes and stories and like relationships. Um, now they're all on Facebook with you forever. But, um, <laughs> but that was, I think what hit like strongly with me a few years ago was like realizing that, you know, the moments really that we sh spend with other people, um, there's only going to be so many of them with each mm -hmm. person so you know really be present with them don't be thinking about anxious future and heavy past regret and future fears and if you mm -hmm. can strip those away you can really be with the other person and really be with the other people fully and share you know um more substantively you know to encourage them or to learn from them uh, to experience their personalities and uniqueness uh, more fully. So the, as a, I think just as an extrovert, that's how I yeah. realize this stuff. Totally. Yeah, I like that. That's, uh, that's a good way to keep yourself from existing in not now, <laughs> which we're so good at doing. It's right. like you're, uh, and, yeah. and, and that, that's one of the biggest um i don't know what's the word it's it's like the biggest uh, temptation to not live now is to think about that big ending moment when you do lose those people and you do lose you know uh this this body and this life and i've started to get the feeling that like every little fear or or like bit of anger or something i have secretly has the little attachment of fear of death like at the back end of it and you just don't know it like it's like i'm yeah. you know the 
the sink is clogged and I'm going to die. It's like, it's like always comes as like a little, and then, and then if you can just like not worry about that other thing that's going to happen later, like all of a sudden the here and now doesn't really, it doesn't really bother you as much. And that was really the thing that was bothering you. I don't know. That's just my, my uh, little feeling I've gotten about that lately. That's great. Those are, I'm sorry. You're dealing with a constant, gnawing <laughs> no it's not even that i'm that afraid or anything it just You're like just saying what's just underneath this... it what's underneath it what's yeah, underneath it? yeah yeah i'm yeah. just trying to notice what the real really funny. thing is and i just like and it's not that i'm like particular maybe i am particularly um Concerned. Neurotic, but it just, <laughs> yeah but but it does it just feels that way and, and like i just i try to get at the base of of those uh reactions should we stuff. make just, shirts it, that say you're going to die is that too <laughs> i wasn't i was gonna suggest it but i've already suggested too many shirts on the podcast so i don't want to be the shirt That's, guy they're but, great uh... beware how dot the go and buy you're going to die to remind yourself in the mirror and others of the yes. inevitable crumbling of our body the fact yeah, that we're all and... we'll all be tree bodies in a hundred and... years yeah and buy that shirt to make sure no one talks to you ever <laughs> we'll all be an orchard in a hundred years um we didn't talk about hell at all do we want to oh yeah we're kind of towards that, the end that whole thing yeah <laughs> we were kind of like dust or reincarnation like yeah. we're kind of like it's obviously not the judgment day thing <laughs> right guys That's kind of what i was just gonna say yeah, dust or reincarnation seem to be the more likely ones. But if you were, I was talking to my dad about this topic recently, and um, you know what I was telling him was like, this was a thought that kind of comes out of like compassion meditation or like loving kindness meditation, where you just like, where you love everyone. You know, it's a beautiful practice, and we'll talk about it in the Buddhist episode. But um, like Christian fundamentalists who want to save you from hell you know, that are warning you that you're going to burn. If I can strip back my reactive ego kind of offense taken um, and the fact that I can't disagree with them anymore theologically, if I can get rid of all of that, they want to save me from hell. That's really nice. <laughs> you know, like, isn't that thoughtful? That's it's a very, thoughtful. It's very thoughtful. Thing. Um, assuming that they're that they're actually meaning that and not trying to be that weird like they i'm saving it. you Some because i'm better than you <laughs> no i know i'm which i'm glad well, but yeah it, it, it's easy to turn true. that into like a condescension but you're right that is the that's yeah. the better way to interpret it <laughs> but even if they were being condescending they're still racking up points on saving hey. like it's still they still think they're that's saving true. even if they are being condescending they're not like, this is all bullshit. You know, they're still like, mm. they're still being condescending, <laughs> but they still actually think they are saving you from burning. So that's still a Fair point enough. towards them being nice <laughs> and thoughtful <laughs> as they yell about Masinin. And so I told yeah. my dad that and his, so my dad has a very Texas accent. He works with this guy who's a fundamentalist. And um, my dad even is a very Texas, Texas accent to where he says Monday and like Tuesday. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say the A <laughs> oh, yeah. sound. Yeah, Scott's, my mom's the same way. Scott's family. 
So, so my dad can speak the language, even though he's like articulate and he's a wordsmith and wrote, he's written books and, um, he still kind of has this capacity. So this, his very fundamentalist boss was a really great guy. Um, my dad was like, well, yeah, this came to me in meditation, da, 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 and this is what we should do. Like, he could just kind of drop that one in the middle of like a work call, I guess. And uh, his boss was like, what? He's like, I keep hearing about this. Like, what is? what are you talking? What do you mean about meditation? And uh, this is just an aside. And my dad goes, uh, he goes, well, with praying, you're talking. And with meditating, you're listening. <laughs> and i just love that as a like i try to write like two thousand words about this stuff yeah something about (laughs) just being super succinct there's something about texasisms that just gets gets right to the heart of the matter right with praying you're talking with meditating you're listening um (laughs) so yeah so that i think that's as far as the fundamentalist camp you know that that guy in particular Super nice guy, super sweet guy. Um, you know, if you ain't going to church and or baptized and all that stuff, you're gonna burn mm-hmm. forever, according to this person, who's a you know mm-hmm. extremely um, intelligent business owner. I mean, you know, we're in America, so it's like everyone's like, yeah, that's eighty five percent of the people that I know and hang out with. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, that's. Um, that's a relic of, you know, we went into the Bible scholarship stuff really heavy into Easter in the Easter episode, unraveling Christianity, but or unpacking whatever. But um, I did want to just mention that the maybe we do hell in another one. You know, I don't know. Maybe this is edit notes because we could do probably mm-hmm. more on hell. I mean, but, I, um, I was thinking, uh, I mean, I, yeah, I could uh, kind of like mention how I've always viewed like the concept of hell. I mean, there was something I yeah, think it sure. was like the beginning, kind of beginning of my spiritual practice um, when I moved to Austin, you know, nine years ago. And um, I kind of had this like realization. I don't know if it was through reading some a certain book or what it was, but um, and this is coming from like, you know, growing up Christian um not fundamentalist christian so i was never really fed language of like you know you you need to do this otherwise you're going to hell that was never a part of the dialogue for me so there wasn't a huge pressure but i kind of had this so it wasn't very effective it sounds like yeah (laughs) i kind of had this moment where i i like was realizing that uh heaven and hell are kind of just states of mind um yeah heaven being a purely blissful uh uh kind of yeah enlightened um living in you know in your kind of your highest power and in in uh pure happiness like that is a uh like a, a state of mind um that that you can achieve and then hell is also a state of mind that you can achieve which is like the exact opposite of that you know it's like um super pessimistic and negative and <clears throat> angry and blame you know full of blame and um and so i kind of that's how i just started kind of viewing heaven and hell and um i i don't know i don't know you know if that resonates with anyone but um that's 
That's kind of what came to me. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that's <laughs> yep. that's Hindu stuff, by the way, and okay. Buddhist stuff. You okay. know, I mean that you're you've been into in the ocean of Eastern mysticism for so long, it's hard to categorize kind of where it arises and where it doesn't. Similar sure. to me, um, this is a story that Ram Dass loves. It's a Zen fable. He said, "A big tough samurai once went to see a little monk." Monk, he said, in a voice accustomed to instant obedience, teach me about heaven and hell. The monk looked up at this mighty warrior and replied with utter disdain, teach you about heaven and hell? I couldn't teach you anything. You're dirty, you smell, your blade is rusty, you're a disgrace and an embarrassment to the samurai class. Get out of my sight. I can't stand you. The samurai was furious. No one talks to a samurai like this, especially not this little monk. Um, he shook up, got red in the face, speechless with rage. He pulled out his sword, raised it above the monk, preparing to cut off his head. Right before he did, the monk said calmly, that's hell. The samurai was overwhelmed. The compassion and surrender of this little man who had practically just risked his life to give this teaching. He slowly put down his sword, filled with gratitude. He bowed in reverence and appreciation to the monk. And that's heaven. Love so, it. yeah. Yep. That sounds pretty spot on. That's it. Um, and, you know, this book also for me is so huge. I read this in high school, The Mystic Christ by um, Ethan Walker. The third, um, he has a chapter on eternal damnation and hell. Basically, it's a it's mystic Christianity and kind of universalism and stuff that we talk about on this show. And uh, yeah, chapter fourteen is eternal damnation and hell. I mean, to to continue that point there, um, you know, that really is the Hindu view. Hatred makes the mind to hell, says Amachi. Likewise, anger, jealousy, and uncontrollable craving for name and fame make life equal to hell. You lose your peace of mind. You lose the love in you. Um, you know, all that's true. Um, but what's, what's great about this book is he really goes into, you know, this is kind of for like Christians on the fence, <laughs> um, that are interested mm -hmm. in learning more about, you know, scholarship, but also paired with mysticism and spirituality. Um, because there's, there's some, there's some New Testament scholarship that he does. Um, in particular, the hell chapter, he, he talks about how, um, in the entire New Testament, the word hell appears 23 times, you know, that kind of stuff, the, the new numbers mm -hmm. of words. And 15 of these were spoken by Jesus, translated from um, Koine Greek. Uh, the word was Gehenna, um, which is uh, a, a landfill, basically. Mm -hmm. um, he only uses the word Hades um, a couple of times, which is four times, which is like hell, kind of Greek, Greek hell. Usually he says Gehenna. Well, what is Gehenna? Gehenna is, um, you know, it's a dump. It's a, it's a foul pit on the outskirts of Jerusalem. It was, you know, well known. A fire was often burning in it to consume garbage. It was, you know, the stench of the smoke. It was just a very unpleasant place that everybody, his audience all knew about. Um, so when he's talking about hell and like how you'll be in hell, um, you know, modern day American Christianity reads that as uh, fiery devil land. 
But he was actually mm-hmm. talking about a garbage dump. Right. Which means, you know, this he wasn't actually difference. saying <laughs> that you're going to go to this garbage dump. He meant that purely figuratively, you know, and, and mystic philosophy as a whole, I think, uh, works with symbolic language and figurative language uh that's parables and that's metaphor and all these things and and that's what that's what jesus did he used parables he was explaining the mustard seed and all these things he was using symbolic um, imagery and so it's a it's a misstep to read um you know the hell doctrine of of christian church of you go and burn in a place literally when it was a metaphoric um illustration for a for a faulty cinema state of mind. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Isn't the Gnostic interpretation yeah, a little bit like um, right that? That were the the classic hell is more like the Greek Hades, but what's actually it means is just like a distance from God and illusion, which is essentially what we're in right now. And it, does that yeah, mean the, that Gnostics the Gnostics really you're in it to be hell. Yeah, this is you're it, in it. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Delayed Skype calls <laughs> on this podcast. You know, me syncing up Scott's audio on this edit. Brought to you hell. by hell. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. you know, yeah, There, there's, um, the Gnostics are very astral, plain, you know, kind of mm. Tibetan Buddhism and, and the Hiranyaloka chapter, which we didn't bring up the Yogananda Hiranyaloka chapter. Yeah. We, maybe we'll do an autobiography episode and just go through that entire mm-hmm. book and, yeah. and that'll be the finale. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's also definitely conceptions of, you know, I think, I guess to Ryan's point about hell is a state of mind, heaven is a state of mind. Totally agree with that. And I'm glad you brought that up. Um, so directly because, you know, I think that's the mindful material people, yeah. you know, that's mm. the, that's secular, that's mindfulness, that's Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, mm. and then in the metaphysical scene, you know, yeah, maybe, maybe there is some translating to, you know, well, yeah, subtler bodies and things like that. If you're if you're of the opinion that consciousness is everything, then this reality is a state of mind, which can be right. heaven or hell, depending on how you're, uh, you know, walking through it, perceiving it, whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm with Ryan. I think it is state of yeah. mind. And I mean, if you if you imagine yourself, uh, you know, your your brain passes away and your mind opens up and is able to see everything you've done to everyone for your entire lifetime and you have to play back any you know hurt you've caused other people that sounds like hell to me (laughs) that would be terrible to have to walk through that and like the judgment maybe the judgment is just your own judgment of yourself and you have to kind of judgment walk through that i think i think i even pulled that from a uh, I love Neil Gaiman. I don't know if y'all know him he's a sci-fi fantasy Mm -hmm. author and he has this amazing short story um where you you know this you, I, I assume it's supposed to be the afterlife. I'm going to terribly paraphrase this, but you like this guy walks into a room and there's this cloaked demon that he sees across the room. And he's like, you're going to have to walk through everything you've done in your life. And it's going to be brutal. And then by the end of the short story, he is the demon and he's seeing himself walk in and he has to repeat the process. He's like, you oh, have wow. to relive everything. And it's just like, oh, yeah. it's like a nightmare. That's you know, cool. it's like this, this, um, this self-reflective, you know, if you've done a lot of bad stuff, it's going to take a while to forgive yourself for all that. And so, yeah, you're going to be, 
you know, stuck in a way for a while until you can move past that. So I don't know. That's my great. That's my analogy for the classic version. Yeah, totally. Um, it's also Time Crimes that remind me of, which is a hmm. film that's a similar plot of like, he's just the innocent guy at the beginning. And then he's like, there's a mysterious man that attacks the thing, but it's just oh, him nice. in a dimensional <laughs> yeah. loop kind of thing. That yeah, old yeah, yeah. classic switcheroo. No, I haven't seen classic that. classic <laughs> caught in a loop. We're all caught in a loop. Yeah. yeah that's Samsara, baby. I like the uh, uh, definition yeah. of heaven and hell being closeness to God and distance from God. I think that's totally yeah. spot mm. on and accurate. Yeah. Mm. Which is an old Jewish proverb. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. Um, well, we can't, you know, I think to wrap it all up, this episode was brought to you by Ohulahan's Tree Bodies. <laughs> Go to ohulahanstreebodies.com to register your future corpse as a tree. <laughs> um, it, I don't, they didn't tell us the price, but um, <laughs> check it out. Is there a discount code? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the discount code is beware how 2020 um for 10% off i couldn't get us anymore <laughs> but just 10% off a year future tree body it's only like i think it's like $80,000 so it's only like it's like 8,000 off it's not bad I guess. okay yeah use so our like link and they'll throw K. in extra led lights for your final showing yeah um yeah, thanks, guys. I think I'm going to have to edit this one a lot to clean it up, like the metaphysical one. I don't know if you all, have you all seen the metaphysics episode because it is, if it's if you've watched it on YouTube, it's like, it's constantly like, it's me just going like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like cutting, like a few of the creative one, I don't, I, there's like one cut. Mindful, there's like two cuts. And yeah. the metaphysical one is just like, I'm just like. Well, you know. So. This one might be like that, but um, but I think we got somewhere good, and and um, you know I definitely appreciate you guys traversing a, a heavy subject. I think some people might be like Ugh, a death episode, but um, mm -hmm. no, we make it know, fun. There's some yeah, there's some good stuff to it, and um, you know if people were on the fence about how to bury their loved ones, they got a pretty good mm -hmm. idea with this tree body situation. <laughs> yeah, yep. welcome. Hopefully Someone, we're going to inspire some like landscaper architect to design the next like cemetery forest, for hopefully. Right. Like goth arborists. That's yeah. our target market. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, guys. Um, yeah. We'll be in touch. I don't know if y'all have future topics and just take a look at mine i think buddhism was the next one to kind of do a deeper dive into as far as like four noble truths um which will be yeah. extremely practical and personal um yeah so no i think it's i think it's good, a good but... idea to just you know we're still kind of hitting big you know big chunks right it's like yeah. we can go we, can we, we did a christian entity one so right yeah we can kind of yeah um, like just you know, death was like the topic today <laughs> we're going we're still going broad it's a big one that's a big one yeah <laughs> life and death um cool awesome well thanks guys yeah good to good to see y'all y'all too yep <laughs>